poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and John Chai. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. And it's Tuesday, which means it is Tactical Tuesday. I'm joined by my co-host, John. What up, sir? How you doing? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm dealing with... uh, sleep issue the last couple of days. So I feel I'm operating at, I don't know, 56% capacity or so right now. Oh, we'll see if that affects your analysis of either of these hands. Yeah. Well, we, we, we shall see. Um, and I guess there's only one way to, to find out and we're through the small talk phase of tactical Tuesday. We'll, we'll move into the, the place where you're most comfortable. Um, Opening the queen seven of hearts. Yeah, that that's the ticket. That's the spot. <laughs> um, so break down the action for the listeners, the watchers, everybody consuming the Tactical Tuesday. All right. So uh, I guess before we break down the action or get into the action, um, the theme for this episode is going to be deciding or just trying to find the right size on the river with... Uh, types of hands i think both of these hands i had questions about like what the right river size was so uh that's going to be a theme of this episode and it's kind of going to be the the question that i ask or the i don't know in my mind the most burning question that i have uh, about both of these hands for brad is river sizing so starting the cutoff queen seven of hearts i open 25 dollars uh fish in the on the button calls the 25 and the big blind who i think is a reg also defends so we go three ways to a flop king eight deuce two hearts i flop flush draw I think honestly, we could even just start talking about the flop. So generally, I have like a really, really tight betting range multi-way um, when I'm out of position versus one or uh, two players. Um, that being said, I think this hand might just play better once you once you start with like a bet on the flop. I did not bet the flop. I just checked this hand. Um, yeah, yeah, going back to your, your heuristic from last week of just like rarely betting multi-way pots here, especially mm-hmm. when one of the players has position against you um Mm -hmm. i think that there's not a ton of concern about getting check raised from the big blind like yeah occasionally they'll have like a set of eights or a set of deuces or like a king eight or king deuce but i think for the most part like you're not going to get check raised that often and i do think the hand does play much better on future streets against the the fish on the button if you start by betting the flop um like you, you probably want to go three streets. Like they're one of the most natural call downs in the spot would be like King Queen. Um, and you block that. So like I don't mind betting the flop. I, I think checking is fine too. But in, in this specific spot where yeah, I just don't think the big blind is gonna check raise at a super high frequency, especially like with you betting out three ways and the fish being involved, like they're gonna need some kind of equity driven hand to check raise you with. And I just don't think it's going to happen at a high enough frequency to, 
you know, make that the reason for not betting. Um, and then the other, you know, the, the final part is like, what's the value of starting out with a bet on the flop versus the fish? Um, and I think decent value there, but yeah, I, like, so in my mind, if you bet the flop, it, it can't be that bad. Yeah. Just to go back to like that, you know, the check raise idea, it's like, I have a queen eye flush, but who cares if we get check raise? Like, I don't, <laughs> that's fine. So like, yeah, even if I, you know, even if it was like a high frequency check raise spot, or, you know, even if they only check raise like really, really strong hands, um, I think like my exact hand here just wouldn't, wouldn't care very much about getting check raises. It's just fine. Just click call and play the turn in the river. Yeah. With position two against the reg. Right. Um, so yeah, I think betting is like totally reasonable here. Just firing half pot and then mm-hmm. sort of taking it as it comes after you bet the flop. But you did check there's 80 in the pot. Uh, the fish on the button has 700. The reg has like 960 or so. John has them both covered. Um, the turn is a tray of spades, and now the big blind checks once again. So um, I guess first data point that we we gain here on the turn is that the reg and the big blind is now checked twice, which is significantly uh, different than them just checking once, especially when their check on the flop is a pretty natural check to the preflop raiser. Um, they're, you know, seeding initiative on the turn, and now it's like pretty much a green light to go two streets, I think. Yeah. I think that's a really important mate. <clears throat> sorry, important point that you made early on about like the second check is significantly more meaningful than the big blind's first check. Um, like the big blind, like you said, is completely uh expected to check the flop uh once they once they just call and and so like I don't think that caps them at all. Um I don't think we can really, you know, infer much about the strength of their hand, but now we can certainly certainly start making some pretty big assumptions about what types of hands he has or doesn't have in this spot. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously I have, like you said, like one of the most uh, like clear cut bluffing candidates. I think once both players check twice, I'm really happy to start putting money in the pot with this end as a bluff. Um, I think it's pretty unlikely that either player has a King. I think the big blind, especially if he's a better reg can have like some weaker King X, but um, you know, that's becoming more or less and less likely as, as this hand plays out. And also you have like strong hands too, when you mm-hmm. check the flop since you're checking with range. So like, right. you know, you have like ace King and, and hands like that. So again, like our, we're, we're like capped in that we probably don't have like middle set or bottom set. Uh, but we also have plenty of hands that we can defend with and lots of like value hands that can bet the turn. So like, Yeah good spot to fire and you fire um don't exactly know what this sizing is like 60 percent yeah yeah you bet 50 83 i think you could probably go bigger honestly like polarize 70 percent on the turn to set up a big river bet Mm -hmm. um but yeah is what it is the button calls and the big blind folds. So now we're heads up versus the uh, the fish on the button. And I, I guess from here, like, w- what are your plans once the the button calls your turn C bet? Uh, so probably in the probably the case that occurs most frequently is that you get to the river, uh, you get to a brick river with queen high. Um, I think in that case, I would bet really, really big on the river. I think again. Uh, my plan would be to try to fold out like, you know, hands like nines, tens, uh, and some like eight X 
Um, so I'd try to think of a size that would make those hands uh, not want to call. Um, I think on a river where I make a pair, so I river a queen or a seven, um, I'd be pretty happy to check and check call. Um, and seven, then, a seven seems like much closer to me than a queen. You think you, you, you think I should just keep bluffing even after a seven? Probably. I mean, you said you're targeting like eight X and pairs in between King and eight. So, I mean, it's quite hard for, I guess they do have like some fours, fives, ace, deuce, ace, tray, but I think a seven's just better served as a bluff than, um, checking to, to realize showdown, but okay. could be wrong. I mean, maybe they've got four five, maybe they've got like ace four, ace five, and they can bet like e- either way, like whether you, you know, if you bet and turn it into a bluff or if you check and bluff catch, I think both are probably just fine. Yeah. I think uh, I can pretty definitively say that in game, my, my plan was to check and bluff catch. If I somehow river a pair. Yeah. And then I think like the last category of rivers to talk about is when we do improve to a flush, um, I think we can just save that for when it actually happens. Because <laughs> it does. <laughs> um, ta-da, you, you make a flush. Um, so now you have a queen high flush. The river's a five of hearts. So, you know, connects with ace four, um, connects with six four, and gives like four five a straight or five six some kind of straight here on the river. And now you're at a decision point. Um, I think betting is just got to be the way to go. Uh, and it's just a matter of like what size you should choose here on the river. Yep. So in game, I did go a really, really big size. Um, I think I went like close to pot or like 90% pot. Um, I mean, I think as just a general poker heuristic, if when you have good hands versus fish, um, I think that just picking big sizes and trying to play big pots when you have like flushes and straights and you know all those types of strong hands versus fish, it's 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 a reasonable guide. Just bet big and try to win big pots. Uh, that being said, I don't know if this if that like necessarily applies to to this pot. <laughs> I mean, I think Philin doesn't have a large amount of strong hands to call you with. And the hands that they do, um, I think you would much rather bet small to get raised by like an ace four or a six four. Um, so like, yeah, because those like, hands always raise facing like you know a third or a quarter. I'm not gonna say always. You know, I don't know that anybody always does anything, but I think they're way more likely to raise facing like a small bet than a big bet. And I also think like. And maybe four five or five six or like seven eight or eight nine or ace eight. Um, those hands can even find, you know, a crying call. And then maybe like some sort of ace five can raise the river, turn itself into a bluff. Like we, we can get two bets from, you know, both the best hands in villain's range and then both the worst hands in villain's range, which and in both situations, like that's a clear win for us. The the way that we lose in this spot is when villain only when villain has a lot of hands that want to play for one bet and you know, we choose a small sizing over the big sizing, that's when it's bad. So I would say like, you know, effectively when thinking about the spot is like, does villain have a higher concentration of hands that want to play for like one bet um, or 
two bets. And in this spot, I think the answer is two bets. So I would choose a small size. How do you, how does that like logic work when like we think that they could get here with like lots of bluff catchers, like 5X and like, you know, a hand like 7, 8 that you said like might want to turn itself, turn itself into bluff facing the small size? Like, because those hands do want to play for one bet. Like, I don't know. Naturally, I think it's like, you know, okay, those weak bluff catchers really do only want to play for one bet. But yeah. there's this like niche situation that we have over here where it's like, well, maybe those hands like do want to play for two bets if you put in a small, small size on the river. I mean, I guess that there maybe should be a differentiation between like, you know, one big bet and one small bet. Like, I, I think like top pair wants to play for one big bet on the river, like mm -hmm. hands in that category, right. um, all their King X. And so like for them to have top pair here, they need to first check the flop behind as a fish who tends to bet with top pair type hands mm -hmm. and not do a good job of like checking back some of their stronger hands so they can defend on later streets, which kind of gives credence to your plan of like bluffing big on the river on the turn because they don't have a lot of hands that can call, right? You can put the hands they do have in quite a situation. So like banking off that logic, I just don't think that like their value range is like, or their, the good hands that they have are good enough to call a big bet that often that I would rather, you know, put some bait in the water and kind of see what happens from there. Gotcha. Okay. So it's a high concentration of hands that want to play for one small bet is like, I think so. The differentiating factor, right? There, there's another thing that's in play too here, which is kind of, I mean, it, it's, it's more of a long shot of happening, but like when villain does have the nut flush and you bet small, like you do just call the raise and I guess it, the flip side works too, where if Villain has a flush um, and you bet big and they jam, then you get to play for stacks. Uh, but if you bet small and they raise, and like you, you don't get stacked when they do river the nut flush as well, which I think is like, it's a decent benefit, but maybe the downside outweighs the benefit, right? Uh, as I was talking, I kind of saw that of like, well, if that's true, then we, we also don't get the max value against like- The jack high flush. The jack high flush when they have the jack high flush, right? Um, but one could also think like maybe they don't raise the jack high flush facing a big bet on the river. Yeah. Like maybe they just call with a nine high flush. I, I don't think that's like actually too, too crazy either. Yeah. 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 Mm. Okay. So anyway, I like a small I guess bet what, here personally. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, get to the end of my, uh, thoughts. You're talking about here. like, yeah. And by small, you mean like one third. Yeah. Something like that. 60 ish. Yeah. Um, just one thing that I wanted to clarify that might have been confusing for listeners is like on the turn I said that I would bet big on the river targeting like their bluff catchers like eights or eight uh, x pocket nines pocket tens those sorts of fans that might call preflop and then check back the flop. Um, and so like I think it it's very reasonable to be confused be like well if you were planning on bluffing like big like why would you pick the big size with your value hands as well and because we need um, I think good hands in both spots right. <laughs> With, with the same size, we need to have some good hands, right? No, 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 not, 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 not versus fish, um, <laughs> especially not versus fish. I guess I would say, um, but I think like one that's like a that's sort of a, a a really common misconception in poker, and like we hear this in like poker power hour and even like some of the wolf um, like coaching sessions. But like there are lots of instances where the best value size also happens to be uh, the best bluff size. Um, we can 
we know that for sure from like some of our data analysis. Um, but the real point that I wanted to add was that if I was bluffing this river, I would have gone bigger than this. So this is like not my big bluff size, even though it does look like a relative to the pot, it is a pretty big bet. Yeah. You you wanna you want their eights to be like, okay, I just don't I don't like I'm out of here. <laughs> I, I'm out of here. I don't want to deal with this. <laughs> too much, too much. Although that's um, what he said anyways, facing this. So maybe <laughs> Yeah. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. The villain does end up folding the river and uh they have queen eight. So yeah, they, they folded facing the big bet. Um no idea. I mean no idea if they fold facing the small bet. They they could fold an eight. I although I, I wouldn't think I doubt so. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um well, let's see if the second hand works out for you right after the break. You've survived preflop boot camp. You've shot the fish in a barrel. Now, prepare yourself for the feeding frenzy. A comprehensive strategy for gutting every fish in your player pool. Data-driven hero bluffs, light call-downs, and perfect value bets that are maximally designed to hurt some feelings. Feeding Frenzy. Available now at ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash Feeding Frenzy. All right. Welcome back to this episode of Tactical Tuesday, where we are looking at preferred river sizes. Um, in our second hand of the day, we have the eight of diamonds, nine of diamonds. We open three X on the button at $30. The small blind folds the big blind, who I'm just going to assume is a reg, yep, uh, three bets to 140 out of the big blind. Um, pretty big. Pretty pretty big three bet there, like a click up or so. Um, mm -hmm. And you defend with your eight nine because that would be a very boring hand if you folded. And uh, we get a flop of king of hearts, queen of diamonds, nine of spades. There's two eighty five in the pot. Both players have eight sixty behind, and the three better bets a third on the flop here. Um, I guess first decision point. Um, Bottom pair, backdoor flush draw, king queen nine. <laughs> not definitely not, you know, super excited about putting this ninety-two dollars in, but it is one third pot and uh there's just no universe where we're folding a pair in position, facing a third on the flop. Um, uh, who is this person I'm talking to right now? This there is a universe actually, and that universe was like one year ago. We folded lots of pairs facing small bets. I never, I would never do that. I can never. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I can't even remember what hand it was, but you, you got laughed at at PPH for oh yeah, like yeah a solid yeah, yeah. five or ten minutes. Peter was making fun of you. Um, okay, I was wow. out of position. I folded deuces on like king queen nine rainbow, and like as, apparently those are just like the most criminal thing anyone could do at a. Poker game is full deuces on King Queen Nine out of position. Like, yeah, sorry. I think you're making that up. I don't think I don't think that was a spot. I think it was like a gut shot with a backdoor flush draw or something. Oh, like that, that was that was a different that was a different uh, 
No, no, it was a gut shot without a backdoor flush draw. <laughs> oh, wait, yeah, that was oh I see, I see. Yeah. And I was like, shouldn't we? Maybe we could just call it. So the you've gotten ones laughed with the backdoor out of flush draw. Gotten laughed out of PPH multiple times for folding, <laughs> facing a small bet on the flop. That's I didn't good. actually fold. I just asked about the gut shot <laughs> and the backdoor flush draw. The deuce is yes, I actually folded. <laughs> Uh, yes, now I remember because the response was, John, contrary to popular belief, you can't ask stupid questions. Now, now, now it's all coming back to me. I remember it. Um, I think that was me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you have bottom pair, backdoor, flush draw, backdoor, full house draw even. I mean, how, how can you fold? Um, you decide to defend. And the turn is a deuce of spades, so king, queen, nine, deuce. You have eight, nine suited with no spades, so still bottom pair. Uh, villain checks. And again, not much of a decision here, right? Just checking back. Yep, just going to be checking back with uh, what is now a little bit better of a bluff catcher. I think if the big blind had bet the turn, I'd certainly be folding, so all right. Do feel a little bit better about my hand once the big one checks. Well, we're one step closer to making it to showdown. So, um, river's a nine, so pretty good river here. You river trips, and your opponent, of course, is going to bet pot with their their weak hands, right? They're they're going to give you all the money, like just hand it over to you on a silver platter. <laughs> um. Actually, no, they check. Uh, they, they check, and John, all of John's hopes and dreams go right down the, the tubes. Now we have like kind of a, you know, a, a fun problem, though. It's like, how do, we, how do we get the most out of this guy? What, what sort of hands does, does he even have in his range when he bets the flop small and then checks twice? You know what's interesting here is like, I think in this spot, they probably actually have more like top pair hands to bluff catch with, with than they did in the first hand. Um, like it's not totally unreasonable that like King Jack, King 10, Ace Queen, um, even Aces yeah, right? on it's the like, nine. Like you're not ace, loving king. the King Queen nine flop when you have Yeah. I, I think like all those hands could check the river that you could target with a big bet. Um just an interesting aside. Uh, I don't think that necessarily sways the decision. And I think what you did is actually uh the best yeah, the best path, which you you dusted off the old one third ball here on the river. Um, this is, by the way, something that you know you've tried periodically over time and had just—I want to say mixed results, but I think mix is like quite generous. Uh, I think just god awful results it would be a better. Getting snapped by aces when I do this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh my god, this small oh. bet on the river thing—I just can't do it. Um, <laughs> Like, why don't I just target their bluff catchers for the max? Why am I, like, letting them off the hook by, you know, giving them this, like, easy, easy size? Where they yeah, this is, I, I give uh, this feedback in, in private coaching sessions, right? Like, which is a weird, it's like a weird thing where pe students, wolves, whoever, will do a thing where they're like, well, normally I would raise here, but... Because I'm like making this video, I, I'm going to call because I think like, I, I think you want me to call, right? Which is like a, a weird thing to do, especially like you, when, like Coach Brad. Yeah, yeah right. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, and then I watch it back and I'm like, no, you should have 
raise. Like that's the right thing to do. Right. And, and like, it's just, it's funny because like there's judgment no matter what you do. So you may as well just do the thing that you think is best. If you bet too big and like they snap fold, you feel bad. And if, if you know, you bet small and they snap call with aces, then you feel bad. And so it's like, well, like there's always a downside here. Like there's no safe thing to do other than just doing exactly what you think you should do. <laughs> um, which in this situation, you know, you, you did what you thought you should do, which was bet small. And I, I, I'm a really big fan. This, this is well done. Cause I wasn't making a video. <laughs> I would like to go into the repository of hands that you have in your database and see like how many times you tried out the one third on the river and it failed disastrously. We have 30, 30 fails. And then this one masterpiece of a hand. So these that we, days that would look weird because like my thirties on the river are trying to induce raises so I can jam over them. <laughs> and like, yes, they, some of those have ended in disasters, but these days I feel like I'm trying to accomplish something different most of the time when I bet small. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would I'm say trying that, to get raised, but not, not, yeah. not cause I want to call most of your career. And like one thing that I, I love about coaching you and talking to you all the time is like, you love experimenting, you love learning um, and just testing out a bunch of different things. Um, and so, yeah, that's who knows what you'll be doing six months from now. I, I, I can't, I can hardly wait. Um, Tactical Tuesday listeners will know <laughs> all the wacky stuff. It, it comes out here. <laughs> <laughs> this is a uh, experimentation zone. Um, so villain jams the river, which is clearly Yay. what we wanted, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't think like we just win every single time here. I think, you know, there are definitely some value hands that make sense to play this way. I think like pocket Kings would probably be the, the most obvious one in my mind. Um, so it's not like, oh, we just win every single time, but I think we do win a lot when we, we when win we a lot this. for sure. Right. Like, because I think Jack 10 is probably just going to bet the river for the yeah. most part. And they may just bet the turn as well. Like not blocking any of the pairs, which is always like a benefit of having a straight. You, you don't block pairs when you have a straight. Um, I think pocket Queens would probably find a bet too. Thinking like, let's just target some King X. and Yeah probably on the turn as well, right? Like Queens probably right. doesn't check the turn a ton. Jack 10 probably doesn't check the turn a ton. Um, you beat King Queen, you beat aces. Uh, so yeah, obviously you call the river with your nine. I mean, we can't place a bet out there that is intended to induce and then fold to the, the raise. Uh, and villain has a six Ooh. of hearts, seven of hearts, which is a hand that if my math serves me correctly, doesn't really make anything on this board. They they just have a six and a seven. They maybe you know th this is what the cool kids say these days. You know they use the unblock word. You know six seven. It just it doesn't. How how do they use it? What, what does it mean? <laughs> it uh it 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 unblocks spade draws. Ah uh, ah, unblocks this the I don't know I don't know how they use it. It's a dumb word. <laughs> I tried. I tried it on to see how it felt, and it felt <laughs> awful. And I don't want to use it anymore. Um, <laughs> all right. So, yeah, that that'll do it for this week's tactical tactical Tuesday. Um, as for the podcast listener, by the way, the final board was king queen nine, deuce nine, no flush draw available. Um, our opponent has a six seven of hearts, so just a total total air ball that they jammed. 
um, with on the river. And uh, also for the Tactical Tuesday listener, um, we are firing up uh, the Wolves recruitment once again after spending some time, you know, building out learning path and resolving some issues that came, you know, after you listened to the Wolf uh, podcast in December. Um, we'll have a, a new Wolf podcast hopefully dropping in the next couple of weeks as well, sort of updating everybody on what's going on, but things are going quite well right now. So, so well, in fact, that it's made me a little sad, but I'll talk about that on, uh, <laughs> on, on the Wolf episode of uh, CPG. Man, what does it take to keep this guy happy? Yeah, it's like, uh, I just... You know, it's like you, you play a video game, right? And it's like fun and it's challenging. And then like you, you reach the end and then you're like, well, now, now what do now I do? Now what? Finish right? your book or whatever. Yeah, it's, that's, that's the feeling that I'm going through. But I'm sure uh, I'll, uh, maybe I'll be fully recovered by the time the, nice. the Wolf podcast drops. Yeah, it must be nice being so uncomfortable, not having something so challenging that it causes you to lose, lose sleep at night. <laughs> so, Things are going great. That's why I'm losing sleep. <laughs> I'm, I'm just translating what you're saying to, 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 for everybody else alright alright I won't talk about it anymore uh, I have no support system in this it's, I like challenges I like overcoming challenges I like having things to focus my energy on um, and yeah there, there's still things to focus on and grow and build and so it's not not ready to take a nap on the job yet but I do see the, the end um, in sight and uh, to this, at least, you know, phase one of the Chasing Poker Greatness Wolf universe. <laughs> um, if you too would also like to join a group with no support system, <laughs> cpgwolves.com. Oh, that support system in Wolves is like ironclad. I can't, <laughs> you know, I can't imagine putting together a better support system than, nah, than yeah. Wolves. Like gen- genuinely and, and truly the group of guys that are in there thus far are just ridiculously just ridiculously great people who just build each other up and they all work and like they take time out of their lives to help somebody if somebody's struggling they're all interested in being the their best self i mean it's they're a selfless group of guys who are extremely hardworking, and i got very very lucky um to to be going through you know this whole process with them so exceptionally i totally agree with you i think like every single one of the guys and wolves so far like are people that I would happily hang out with like outside of poker, you know. Yep. It's yeah, good. It's good. Like, yeah. Anyways, we should probably save this stuff for the wolves pod. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there eventually. Just as like a teaser, you know, just a teaser. Uh cpgwolves.com if you're interested in applying. And that's all I got. Cool. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.